When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 876. Brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. The music started in the hearts of drums from another land. Played for everyone, my sons of the motherland. Sending out a message of peace to everybody. And came across the oceans and change and change. He's in the pain. And it was without name until some men in New Orleans on Rampart Street put out the sounds. And then they gave it a beat. I'm talking about Jelly Roll, King, and Satch. I'm talking about the music that had no match. Yes, the music. And it was born down there. We're going to use it. So make the horn sound clear. It's jazz music. Jazz music. Music. My name is Connor Kilpatrick. And sitting in for my co-host Josh Flanagan is Dr. Ryan Haupt. It's a me, Ryan. And we are here for our Fanboy Pick of the Week, episode 876. Every week one of us picks a book they like the best for their stack of comics. Call that the Pick of the Week. We'll talk about that book and other books of the week. The patron pick. Hopefully listener mail if we've got time. And here is your spoiler warning. This is a review show, so exercise some caution when you pick your books up and read them before the show. I don't know what's going on. Ryan's here. You're, I Ryan's, don't either. What's you're, you're giving me a weird energy right now. I'm tired. You're sick. I've had a long day. You'd My think this was a morning show and we weren't caffeinated enough, but no, this is not. This is an evening record. <laughs> We've just had long days before it. Um, maybe you're maybe on cold we'll, medicine. Maybe when we're done recording, we can go out and listen to some smooth jazz. Maybe. What do you say to that, Connor? I'm into it. What's the, the pick, pick this week, Ryan? Well, you the pick this pick. week is all about smooth jazz because it's deep cuts number one. Uh, story by Kyle Higgins and Joe Clark, art by Daniel Baruth, uh, colors by Igor Monti, and letters by Hassam Atsme Athau, a name I know I've said before on the show and hopefully butchered at least at least consistently. Yeah, this was an interesting week. I got my books read more quickly than I usually do because I wasn't feeling well, so I kind of just told my wife, hey, can I just plop on the couch and read comics after dinner? And she said yes. And so that's what I did, and I got through my stack um, Yeah, more more smoothly than I usually do. And I read all the books and I was like, I don't quite know what the pick is. And mm-hmm. it was, there were a couple of books that were in the running, but none of them were a huge standout. And so I, I actually like legitimately slept on it mm-hmm. and I woke up in the morning, um, having moved to the bed from the couch. I wasn't, I didn't sleep on the couch. And um, <laughs> the book that stuck with me the most was Deep Cuts Number One. It's the story of a young clarinetist in New Orleans who um, is trying to follow in his father's legacy as a, as a musician instead of working as a, a porter in the, in the docks. And uh, gets kind of um, tangled up with this this trumpet player who um, ends up being sort of a scoundrel, and it sort of just works his way through the music and brothel scene in a, a 1917 era New Orleans. And I had no expectations for this book. I read it mostly because it was in running for the patron pick, 
But, you know, I'm a, I am I love New Orleans. New Orleans is maybe, I would say it's in my, like, top three cities in the U.S., if not mm-hmm. the world. Um, sure. It's a place I really enjoy visiting. My mom lived there in college, um, so I grew up eating, you know, her gumbo that, that she would make from her time living there. Some of my best friends today still live there. It's a city that really has captured my heart in a lot of ways, and I think it's one of the more unique places on the planet. I, and um, I was not anticipating a, a book setting, a book set there, especially a, a comic about music. To me, I, I think the comparison that I would make to this book is it's almost like Ratatouille, where like Ratatouille is a movie, which is like moving pictures and sound, but it's about taste, right? Whereas this right. is a comic book, which is words and images, but about music. And I think this actually sort of captured what it's like to play music, what it's like to be in a live show, what it's like to be the audience of a live show. And I just thought that the way that this kid uh, Ace is the moniker he takes on as a jazz musician kind of fumbles his way through the music scene. And and because he has integrity, because he, he doesn't want to screw people over to get to the top, the the way he ends up making allies and, and, and not allies is sort of, I don't know. I found it very interesting. I really found myself, engaged it's, it's a double-sized if not triple-sized book. triple-sized yeah, yeah. triple-sized and i didn't feel it i didn't feel that length i really felt like this was smooth sailing all the way through and um yeah i just um what, what did you think Connor? what a weird book not in a not content wise just like what the fuck like I, I was reading this book first of all i, I initially skipped past it because i saw kyle higgins's name and right now almost everything he's putting out is related to his radiant black universe. So mm-hmm. I, so this, I just this thought, might be, we don't know. It's 1917. I just thought, Oh, it's another radiant black book. I, I didn't even look at the cover. And then, like you said, it was, it was in, you know, in the, in the leaderboard for pick, patron picks. So I looked at it. I was like, Oh, interesting. Okay. Started reading it and I'm reading this book. I think it's around 60 pages and I'm just like waiting for the turn, right? Waiting for the twist. This kid's going to, fall on a radioactive well and get clarinet powers or something right yep. i kept waiting for or he's going to be a vampire the like the the, the trumpet player he could be friends is going to turn out to be a vampire or something and just never happened and it's just the story of this kid in new orleans in 1917 who wants to be in a jazz band and is has to deal with all of the trials and tribulations of wanting to join a jazz band that at the time are playing mostly in, mostly in brothels and it was terrific i mean it really was a lot of fun and i just I just don't. I don't know where this came from or why it's happening, but I'm enjoying it, and I think there are going to be more. And I'm looking forward to whatever this exploration of uh, is. It going to be exploration of jazz or music or what? Because it's called Deep Cuts, which you know is. Uh, and I uh, thought of. I was thinking of you know. I was thinking of you guys, the, the iFanboy guys, the original trio, especially with like characters like Johnny Two Fingers. Like, well, that's straight out of Goodfellas. That's great, right? But also just sort of old, old musician names, like the, all, all of those guys, especially old jazz and blues players had, you know, fun nicknames like that. But it's just, it felt very lived in and it felt like the research was done in terms of mm-hmm. how guys like this would have lived and how, what playing would have been like and what the the brothel slash party scene was in these black neighborhoods of New Orleans in the the turn of the century between Charles Ace lives with his grandmother who like he has to hide the fact that he says he's playing at a women's social club. And then at one point it's found out that he's playing at a brothel and like her attitude towards that where like, it really comes down to like, she really just wants to be able to hear his music, but she can't hear it if he's playing at a brothel. And I, I don't know, there was a lot of heart in this book. Yeah, it's yeah. not like there's, you know, there's no crime, right? There's not like there, there is a crime, technically speaking, but because someone's wages are being robbed. But there's not like, 
a heist. Wage theft is one of the most common crimes in America. Right. It's not like there's a heist. It's not like there's an armed robbery. There's not like anything action oriented happen. It's just a story of this kid. And, and it's a, it's a really satisfying arc where he, you know, it's, it's sort of like a coming of age tale where he starts off as a very sort of naive waif in this world. And by the end of it, he's got a lot more experience maybe in a way he doesn't want to have it because he's, He's he's had his his money robbed from him. Well, it's also he's he idolizes the you know the musicians based on their performances, and then when he actually gets to know them, he realizes that like, oh, the quote unquote confirmed bachelor piano player is a guy who knew my dad, and the this this uh, prostitute Ethel like is a really sweet woman who like well, care, cares about me, and so like, he ends up really shifting his who, who does he look up to, who does he turn to when he needs help and, and advice and counsel. Um, and he turns away from the guy who's just about the showmanship and he'll screw anybody over if it means he gets the gig and it ends up, you know, it's, it's interesting to watch how that plays out. Right. It was, it was fun. I really liked the bit where he first gets to play with the piano player and it's a big moment of triumph for him and people love the, love the music. And then the, the, the piano player is like, yeah, that was sh- terrible. So let's <laughs> not do that ever again. And, you know, cause it was, it, it was, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's Normally it's like this is the this is it the kid's like a prodigy right he's terrific, but no he's like he's like you've got talent but that was awful so let's work on how to not be awful and so it was really surprising he's got, I was, and he's got he's got a good instrument because he inherited his dad's clarinet yeah and I really like the opening crazy. sequence where like he plays through the window and the guy and the guy that he impresses through the window says how come I never heard you before and he says well the last gig you played there wasn't a window at the venue <laughs> and I was like man that's really and that's like within the first 10 pages of the book I was like that's really clever writing that's really that's, it's just smart clever fun you know it brings you into the world it I don't know felt like you said felt really lived in yeah right it's interesting I, I was expecting of all the books to ha- to need an image uh, patented essay at the back this one has one but it's not about the book itself and so i was like well why are you, why is this happening someone explain to me why this is happening because it's cool you know this is so so unlike what image is publishing these days and it you know hasn't published a book like this in a while i mean it, maybe, yeah. maybe maybe howard jakin's comic book history book is the closest to this is like similar to and Kyle Higgins is a guy who seems I don't I don't know Kyle Higgins from Adam you know um, yeah. but uh, he seems like a guy who really embraces the multimedia aspect of working in comics so you know a lot of the Radiant Black comics have like animated shorts or pod so like in universe podcasts that exist and all these other things so the fact that you know they commissioned an in universe song on the yep. vibraphone like that's I I don't. I don't have any particular fondness for that instrument. I can't, I, I know how to read music ish, but not well enough to like know what this song would sound like just by looking at the page. But like, it's cool that they did it. Yeah. So it sounds like uh, the co-writer, Joe uh, Clark is Clark. a music, music professor in Northwestern university. So that's, you know, where the his from the history of stuff comes from, but it's just interesting to see why this happened. And, you know, Danilo Beirut, the artist is really strong. I think the, the, the storytelling was really good. The character work was really good. It got, you know, when the music kicked in, the art got a little bit more exaggerated. Like at no time did I think, oh, this is an artist not ready for prime time, which is what I, I think a lot sometimes when I read books from Image or Dark Horse. Right. Or, and it was the it. music scenes where I kind of got that ratted. I guess obviously it's a, it's a grittier is the wrong word because this isn't like grim and gritty, but no, it's like, but, but compared to something like Ratatouille, which is a kid's movie, but the, the music scenes is where I got that sort of Ratatouille vibe where it's like they're trying to find a way to, put on the page the feeling of listening to you know cool jazz music in the club or whatever which is in, yeah. in similar ways to how they did you know with remy tasting different foods on screen 
So I, I don't know. It, it, I came literally came out of nowhere. I probably yeah. wouldn't have. I probably would not have read this if it hadn't been a pick of the week contender. No. Patriot pick. Yeah. I, I again, it wasn't on my yeah. <laughs> well, radar. It ended up being a pick of the week contender. It was a patriot pick front runner. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Thank you so, for both. But yeah, I mean, I, I same thing. Like, I I, I just wouldn't write past it because of because I'm just not into the the radiant black universe. And so I thought I figured that's what it was. But I'm glad I didn't, and I'm glad I read it. And next issue is called "Sorry, but you, but I can't take you." And so I guess we're you know who knows where this but is the, going. But the end of this issue says end. So I, is it going to be a completely different story? Are we going to see see more of Ace's life? Like I, I anything I'm cool with. Like I'm I'm happy to see where this book goes. But I don't know what that next story is going to be. Well, there's an image, and I'm, I'm looking at the digital version, so I don't know what this is paper wise. But there's an image in the back of a woman at a piano, and it says 1928 in the back. So I'm sure I, my guess is it's just, it's just an anthology of different music stories of the black experience, as it says in the cover in the back. So I'm guessing it's someone new. I'm, I'm guessing it's a whole new story. So we'll see. We'll see. I'm here in, for it. I'm sticking with it. We'll see in May when the next issue comes out. So this week we had uh, another DC. What is it called? I don't remember what they're called. What, what are these things called? DC. New. They're not branding it well because it's not on the cover of the book. <laughs> <laughs> well, another new DC book come out. It's Green Arrow number one, and I was dismayed to find that it is a miniseries. And in fact, it was originally supposed to be six. Now they're they're increasing it to twelve issues. So that's something at least. But it's really bu- a bummer that the dc is publishing so few books relatively to what they used to do um so so many of the mid-list books and and characters are not around and this is another one that you know green arrow should have an ongoing book but that's neither here nor there so this is joshua williamson and sean isaacs what was the book that sean isaacs drew that i really enjoyed was it oh it was that fantastic four book fantastic four the, the mark russell fantastic four book through the ages that was really good yes that was good and so here we have um, a – it's Dawn of DC. That's the name of all of these books, the Dawn of DC books. Um, that's how long it took my comicsology app to open. It's having problems lately. <laughs> Wait, is this a steam-powered iPad problem or is this a – No, this oh. is a back-end whatever they're fucking doing is problem. It's not the iPad. So Dawn of DC, Green Arrow, number one, Josh Williams and Sean Isaacs. And, um, I like this quite a bit. It I like is this a, quite a bit too. a different take on – the world of Oliver Queen. So we have the family back together through, you know, whatever the dark crisis bullshit was. So now Connor Hawk is back with alongside Roy Harper and and Dinah Lance, you know, and so they have their little green arrow family. The only, the problem is that the dad green arrow is missing. And I have um, other problems, but yes, that's, that's a problem, right? That's the main problem is, is the, you know, it's like they have their family back except for the main guy. He's gone. And uh, I liked that, and this is going to be an email question later on, assuming we get to it, but I liked that this was sort of a sci-fi take on Green Arrow. Yeah, so there's sort of two parallel stories happening. One is, you know, Green Arrow, Ollie Queen Green Arrow, not Connor Hawk Green Arrow, like wakes up on the beach, stuck on an island again, but then he looks up and it's a sci-fi island. And then it gives us, you know, a quick run through, a double page spread run through of his history, and then we cut to... His team, his family, you know, Roy Harper, side, his former sidekick, Connor Hawk, his son, Dinah Lance, his lover, or wife, I guess. Um, a wife can be a lover. Who knows in the new continuity? Who knows? And they're in Gotham. That's nitpick one. And um, it's a minor nitpick. I don't really care that they're in Gotham. It just seems odd to not put a number one issue with the, the Arrow family in Star City. Yeah. Uh, 
so we get kind of a street, the typical street, very like very classic street level Green Arrow story, but without Green Arrow. And then we cut to, I guess, a world controlled by the Manhunters. Yeah, something. It's and we don't know what it is, but you know he's stuck there. Well, those are like, those are like classic DC Manhunters. Yeah, yeah, those are the Manhunters. We don't. We just, I don't know if they're controlling the world or they're they're soldiers or who who knows what. But he's running around in this sci-fi world with is that that's with Leanne, Leanne right? That's his. With that's, Roy Harper's daughter, who was Cheshire. Yes. Yeah. So the the first that 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 reunion, reunion happens between Roy, uh, Roy and Leanne, his daughter, but then both her and Connor Hawk are. Uh, sort of sci-fi teleported away and she at least ends up in the sci-fi world where Oliver Queen's clearly been there for a while because he's got a beard and he's got a different costume and he knows the lay of the land and he shoots these um, crazy arrows that have, what is it, like uh, chainsaws on them? Or what is it? Something so they like called it a chainsaw arrow, but it was clearly a circular saw. Nipic too. Yeah. It's a um, saw no. arrow. <laughs> yeah, but he's also got, he's got like a weird like lightsaber bow sort of yeah. thing. I don't know how so, else to describe it. It was, I mean, you know, not expected. I, I've, I've been missing Green Arrow. I've been missing a Green Arrow book. I love Green Arrow, one of my favorite characters. And, you know, this was not necessarily the Green Arrow book I was looking for, but it was really fun and the execution was fun. And the art was super strong. I'm a big fan of Sean Isaacs. He's a solid superhero artist. This this almost had image number one problems where like I think if this had been a double sized first issue that might have edged out deep cuts as pick of the week because it's like mm-hmm. it's the you know third to last page when we see the new sci fi Ollie Queen and I was like oh that's interesting I'm into whatever that is but then right. the book is over and it's like oh well if, if it kept going for another twenty pages I I might have uh, wanted this as pick the other I have to tell you nitpick number three but it's yep. it's my last it's my last nitpick yep on the page where they're introducing the family. Mm-hmm. Roy Harper and Connor Hawk get their their sort of logoized names, and it yep. says, you know, Roy Harper, aka Speedy, aka Arsenal, aka Red Arrow, Connor Hawk, aka Green Arrow, aka my son. Yep. And then it, the next one, it's Black Canary, and it uses her call sign, her code name, Black Canary, aka Dinah Lance. They switched it. It's not parallel storytelling, Connor. Yeah, that is weird. Um, bothered me. Well, Oliver is narrating the book, so I don't know if that means something. So but... he calls his wife by her code name and not his sidekick and son. Well, Connor Hawk doesn't have a code name anymore. Connor Hawk is Green Arrow. That's, well, not it's anymore. The, he's, it's the he Hawk. It's, he, no, he's the Hawkeye, not the Hawkeye sort of thing. But he hasn't been called Green Arrow in years. He's called well, Connor Hawk. In this Hawk. book, the, the clock has been reset. He's been called Green Arrow since Tuesday. He hasn't. He's not called Green Arrow in the book, though. They call him. They call him Connor Hawk, aka Green Arrow. Well, Roy Harper, aka Speedy, aka Arsenal, aka but Red Arrow. But then, why so. is it? Why is Black Canary, aka Dinah Lance? That's. But you see, they flipped it, and that bothers me. Yeah, no, that's that's a problem. I'm just saying he's not Green Arrow anymore. He was Green Arrow. I think uh, he is Green Arrow. And uh, I mean, yeah, it wasn't perfectly it wasn't perfectly executed, but I thought it was a lot of fun and it was unexpected. It was like I said when I when I say nitpick, I mean I put this I put this second in the script because I liked it enough that it was almost pick of the week. I, I really enjoyed it. Those are legitimately nitpicks. Like they weren't big deals. They were just things I bumped on a little bit while reading. Are you sticking? Have you stuck with Unstoppable Doom Patrol? Issue two came out this week. I actually did read this issue, and I I um found it. I was surprised by this issue, maybe more so than issue one. I liked it more than issue one. You liked it more than issue one because there's no Batman. It's just a Doom Patrol issue. No, or because, no, 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 because no, no, there's no. a because I there's just, a base cutaway. I'm just more well. The base cutaway always helps, but I just was more sort of. Uh, comfortable in the world of these characters I and mean, i'm not a huge Doom patrol fan and also this is um again this is now a t- this they, they don't announce this usually before the second issue but this is now a six issue miniseries 
to get you with the issue one thinking it's going to be ongoing. This was a pretty good base cutaway. It's a great base cutaway. So I think I just liked the story more. I liked them rescuing this kid. It felt very much like the X-Men where they they find this uh, kid who has this weird gross power and um, they have to save him and it doesn't go right. And we get the reveal about Peacemaker and and him being the villain of the story. I just thought I thought the construction was really strong. I thought the character stuff came together better. I liked seeing the base. I liked Flex Mentalo being there. I'll say one thing. We talked last time. Uh, I was on the show when Doom Patrol number one came out. Unstoppable mm-hmm. Doom Patrol, and we talked a little bit about how like Doom Patrol was DC's version of the X Men before the X Men was ever ever published. Mm-hmm. And and they did the Jonathan Hickman X Men text page in this. I know that was a little strange. Did it annoy you, or did you think it was funny? I just go past. I mean, I don't even read them anymore in X Men, so I just don't even register. I just go right past them. I I was a little I was a little annoyed by it. I probably shouldn't have been, but I was like, oh come on, are we doing this? Are we really gonna like? It's very on the nose. It's, it's too. It's, it was a little too on the nose for me the nose. personally. Yeah. Is what I is what I felt. I mean, I, I liked. So in this one, there's a new chief. You know, chief was the guy who ran the team. He was the Professor Xavier in the wheelchair, and so he's been he's been usurped by the new chief who was um that was uh she was uh, the new chief was she's a she's a member of the doom patrol i forgot who she is though but she's a member of the doom patrol and the old chief who has always been kind of an asshole is all he's trying to do is usurp her power and take back his role i like that running you know bit in the background like i just think thought this just did really well overall the chris burnham art continues to be perfect for this kind of book you know it's it's weird this is the non-glamorous side of superheroing where all the p- right. people have strange, ugly the, powers. The kid with the gross power with like the slug the slug entity that lives in its chest. Because I, I honestly couldn't – or in their chest. I couldn't tell if this was a male or female character, honestly. Yeah. And the kid the kid explodes. Because it turns out the kid isn't the meta. It's the it's the slug. I know. But the, well, the kid was also a member of you know Suicide Squad, the Task Force X. Right, right, right. But it was just interesting that like they figured out the host wasn't the powerful person. It was the slug and – I was, still was bummed, great, I was still bummed that a kid exploded. Sure, but there was a great page where Cliff has to throw the kid into the into the sky yeah. before it explodes. <laughs> it was it was definitely a riff on the fastball special. <laughs> yeah, they, they really are just going for it here. Yeah, um, I'm, not yeah I'm into at, it. I'm not mad at that, but it's just it's strange. And Chris, the Chris Burnham art is definitely helping. It's, I don't know if if this was like well, this is an ongoing. I don't I don't know if I still read it, but at six issues, I'll I'll stick I'll stick around for the whatever they're doing here. I think that's okay. I mean, Green Arrow, I'm more annoyed because I feel like Green Arrow should be an ongoing character. Doom Patrol has always been a tough sell in the market, so I'm, I'm not surprised it's a miniseries. But, I, uh, I agree with that interpretation. I um, I was, when, you know, I didn't know that either of these were limited series before coming into this recording with you, so learning that Green Arrow was bummed me out, learning that Doom Patrol was, relief is the wrong word, but it meant like, oh, I feel like I can hang with this book if I know that there's an endpoint. I swear to God, if, they, if next week we find out Shazam's a miniseries, I'm going to have a big problem. Like I don't know what's going on in DC. So it sounds like pu- you're, yeah, I was gonna say it sounds like your your list of problems with DC is continuing to grow. Well, they're not they're not publishing. We we, we had we, we had this revelation a couple of episodes ago, and there was an email about there being fewer books, and we were we didn't think it was true until we looked at the numbers, and it turns out the DC is publishing a lot fewer books. And um, you know, that's not great for anybody. But what can you do? Clobber in time number two. Steve Scroach, his strange body horror thing miniseries in which the thing teams up with a different marvel hero every issue the first issue was who was the first issue hulk hulk now we've got logan 
And I love this. I mean, I thought this was terrific. You said issue one would have been your pick of the week. Is issue what issue two have been your pick? Of you the know, week I don't well? know. I didn't really think about it. It was one of those days where I didn't really have uh, a lot of time to think. But it would have been in the discussion. Deep cuts and Green Arrow and Clobbering Time were definitely did all. You, in, in did the you enjoy social justice cr- criticism of the thing? I did. I was nice to know that. No, no, I enjoyed that criticism of the students. I was nice to know that the the mutant college students are just as annoying as the real ones in real life so the, the Krakoan college students are also yeah yeah Ben Grimm much like Jerry Seinfeld can't play colleges anymore because the kids are too sensitive <laughs> yeah so I thought it was funny like he was he's in some sort of like uh he's giving symposium. a symposium and yeah. he's he's got the turtleneck and the blazer like it's just <laughs> it was very funny and I like how Logan wasn't buying any of it and I think they have a great relationship I you know the, the benefit of this is you can pair him up with these characters who he you know they're his buddies and you know, Logan and Ben Grimm have a long-standing friendship in Marvel Universe. They're his buddies, but they're also like, on some level, they're as tough as he is. So whatever scrape they get into, they can kind of both hang through the scrape, even if it's a bad enough scrape that they're both struggling to survive. Yeah, and here we they run into that same guy again, his time-traveling dude who is much stronger than he appears, and he yeah. really fucks them up. And re- <laughs> There was some weird anatomy on some of the Logan stuff. Um, there's a... Uh, I believe it's page thirteen on your digital reader, where yeah. like where he's slicing off the guy's arm, but yep. his other his other hand is like bent back in a really weird way. Yeah, I mean, he looks like he's just swung with that arm and didn't hit anything. These are just the things I notice when I'm reading. Uh, I like Logan. I like the big monster that he turned to with all of, where you can see all of the tattoos that he has, and like because he was the the bad guy was wearing like this full body suit, and so you couldn't see any of those tattoos before. But then when he like morphs into this giant monster, it almost looks like a, like a Jim Henson Dark Crystal sort of monster and then and then later when you see the guy turned back into a human all those tattoos are still there which i i didn't i wasn't expecting i thought the tattoos were part of him turning into a monster i didn't yeah. realize he just had a bunch of douchey tattoos to start with yeah it's, it's interesting because he's in the future he's got a bunch of tattoos that that signify heroes and he you know seems to know them he says at one point to the thing that you should never meet your heroes and doesn't stop him from trying to kill them he really fucks up logan you know in one of those great wolverine ways where Three quarters of his body has been incinerated, so he's going to have to regrow. And I like the bit at the end where he tries to talk to can't ben, talk. Yeah, can't talk. He's like, <laughs> it's like okay, well, I'll text you later. But this book is just super fun. I mean, yeah, it's gross. And like, there's a part that's shown on the cover where the guy wants to look under the hood for the things. So he pops all the shell, all of his rocks off, and we see the gooey underneath. And I was just like, Ugh. but um, it's only one panel. And uh, it's do you just read, do you ever read Concrete by Paul Chadwick? Uh no, no no. Yeah, but uh, never yeah, mind. Never mind then. Right, right in. If you read concrete, you, and have you know opinions. you can you can say you can still say your point. There are there are probably listeners who have read concrete, so it's okay. Um, it was a a much it was a less body horror, but still wasn't without body horror at all. Philosophical exploration of of a more philosophical explanation of what it would be like to actually be the thing with a different origin story and all such stuff, but um. Really interesting book that that I enjoyed quite a bit, and I, if if folks have comments or questions about it'll be it'll that discussion will go better if somebody writes in something to to prompt the discussion. I won't get into it on right concrete. Now. All right, yeah, we'll, I'm, just, uh, I'm soliciting questions. We'll allow any concrete questions for Ryan's next Put appearance. Concrete in your subject line. <laughs> so our long national nightmare is over, and this the run on the Hulk is completed. And oh, interesting. I have, a, di- I, have a different, a, I have a different feeling about it. Not a knock on Ryan Otley, who's been terrific uh, art-wise, who did uh, heroic work stepping in for uh, the writing duties 
when uh, Donny Cates had a family issue and left all the books he was working on. Couldn't have been easy to do that midstream. But uh, I just, I, from the very beginning, I've only really been sticking around because I just love the way that Ryan Otley draws and I thought this is, looks great, but I just have had zero interest in this story. One or two issues I liked, you know, there was a couple of fun ones. The, the first one he went on this planet was fun, but for the most part. Godball. Yeah, for the most part, I just so happy that this Spaceship Hulk story is over and I cannot wait to move on to a different take on Hulk. I have a slightly different take. I had a few issues to catch up on on this run uh, leading up to this final issue. And I noticed the the first issue I had to read this week to catch up, I think it was 11 or 12. And mm-hmm. it said story by Donny Cates and Ryan Otley. And I was like, oh, are they doing this Marvel style? And then the next issue, it was just story and art by Ryan Otley. Donny Cates dis- disappeared yep. as if he'd never been there. And I was like, huh, what is going on here? And then there's a little short essay from Ryan Otley in the back written in all caps, which I thought was a little on the nose. Um, (laughs) but, um, yeah, I kind of, I don't know. I, as much as the idea of Hulk being a spaceship didn't work for me, I also felt like they never explored that idea to the point where I knew what they were doing with it. So that that never really, that never really manifested as like an actual story point. It was just a plot device to get Hulk to another planet where these other shenanigans could happen. Well, he could be taken over by it. Like that's, I think part of my problem is I don't know why we did it. And, and look, it may be a it may be a problem of the original writer who came up with the idea of having to leave, but I just don't know what the point of it was. It didn't add anything to the character. It didn't have anything interesting to say necessarily. It was just seems to be more like a cool idea. Like, what if the Hulk's personality, the Hulk's body was a spaceship, and the personality running it was like the captain in his head? Like, it just didn't seem like it was other thing, anything other than a cool idea, but didn't have any execution that really made any sense. Or you know, it just was weird. Yeah, it was, it was fun to see Ryan Otley and Cliff Rathburn team back up and, and do a you know, just big bombastic book. Oh, yeah. I mean, if anyone's going to draw the Hulk, it's I mean, Ryan Otley did a great job on Spider-Man. But really, it, like this is like a like, you know, in, Invincible was like all big action all the time. And he's sort of made for that. This is, you know, giant Hulk monsters pounding on each other was, you know, a lot of fun to see in his hands. I enjoyed this. I don't know that I, I got a lot out of it, but I enjoyed it all the way through. I didn't like, I was never reading this being like, Oh, when is this going to be over? Like I didn't have that reaction. Uh-huh. Um, I can't say like that. I fully understood it or, but I also felt like it, kind of, you know, I just let it sort of wash over me. Like this is just the rage beast happening to me. Not, not for me. Uh, I don't I mean, know. I never dropped it. And it, I mean, it was most of the art, but still there was, I was always hoping that it would be something that would be revealed in this, that like, tells you something about the character or something interesting. It just, for me, it never happened that way, but you know, it is what it is. Not every run works. I'm looking forward to Philip Kennedy Johnson. I thought the design of this Titan monster thing was kind of cool. Like he's got like yeah. volcanoes coming out of his back. I liked that. I, I did dig that. It was just, it just was weird. And I also, I need uh, doc Samson to not be a Hulk anymore. Well, he's a Sasquatch. Right. But he's like imbued with the, with gamma. Well, he's, rays, a ga- yeah, right? he's a gamma Sasquatch. Sure. I just need him. I thought for sure, like when they were sucking the gamma out of people, I was like, okay, here's how we get Samson back. But no, but, he, well, it's, but he's not like, it's not a gamma irradiated Samson. Cause Samson's already been gamma irradiated. This is doc Samson who has switched bodies with Sasquatch, the, the alpha flight member. This is no good. I'm just telling you what, I'm just telling you what, what happened in, in re in like in the reality of this world. Yeah. I'm just informing you. Oh boy. All right. Well, W zero T three three. I believe it's supposed to be announced world tree. Um, 
I'm going to go ahead and give this book preemptively the award for the hardest title to type since Shield, the book that was Shield that had the period between each letter. Uh huh. Because that was a tough book to type. This is an image book from James Tinney and the Fourth with Fernando Blanco on art and colors by Jordan Blair, letters by Aditya Bidikar. And it's. it's a sci-fi horror book. It basically... Did you read this, Connor? No, no, definitely not. Um, it sort of feels like an episode of Black Mirror or that Warren Ellis book, Global Frequency. Did you ever mm-hmm. read Global Frequency? Uh, you know, I didn't. I did not read Global Frequency. Global I Frequency, I really enjoyed. It was one-and-done issues, but um, they were always based around some sort of technological plot that was going to wreak havoc and, and a, a team of people who, like, there was... Um, who could be called upon to help solve the situation with their with their special tech powers? I don't know why I didn't read it. That was like the one Warren Ellis book at the time I didn't read, and I don't, I don't have any good reason why I didn't. It was an anthology series. Maybe you just hate anthologies. No, I don't. I just don't. I don't know what happened. Well, go I have back. No and, explanation. Go back and check it out. It's not too late. That's still true. exists. We can still do it. We have the technology. We have the technology. So this was a book about. Um, it's sort of okay. So it's it sort of like Black Onion. Uh, or Black Onion. Black Mirror meets Glass Onion. So maybe Black Onion was appropriate. Because it's like, uh, it's it's this tech thing that these these people created back when they were young. So like sort of the same as the Glass Onion tech conglomerate, whatever. And it seems to be some sort of smartphone app that glitches people out of reality long enough to kill them. Um, okay. I don't entirely know what's going on in the story, but the art, I, I thought the art by Fernando Blanco was gorgeous. I thought this was an incredible looking book. And I thought the story was interesting. Like it, the way that this smartphone app like glitches people out of reality plays with like panel structure and panel mm-hmm. integrity. Like the, the panels break as the people glitch in and out of time and space. But and I don't know exactly how that's happening, but um, Black Mirror is a show I, I really enjoy. I realize it's very nihilistic and, you know, not an uplifting show to, to watch, <laughs> no. but no, it's not. I thought as a premise of just like, there's something, you know, there's also a movie. Oh, I think I've talked about this movie on the show before. It was called like um, Terminus or something like that, where there's like a, a zombie virus that transmits through like cell phone and, and TV signals. But it, there was just, there was enough there on the initial high concept premise of just like, there's this kid who thinks that he has to like expose people to this app and then kill them. And then he gets locked up and his brother is upset. And then this woman shows up and she's naked. And then there's like a monster thing. And I don't know. I don't, I don't have a lot of words to put to this without, I mean, I'm spoiling a lot of what happens in issue one, but I also feel like issue one is setting up a lot of big ideas that I hope come to fruition. And I feel like James Tinney and the fourth is a writer who is really for me, at least turned a corner where a lot of his early stuff didn't connect with me. And that's not a criticism of, of him or his writing. Like I, I just felt, you know, yeah, that this was a, a younger, younger comic writer who was still finding his voice. And the last couple of series he's done, the closet blue book, this book there now, now he and I are vibing and I'm getting whatever he's putting out there. I'm like, Oh yeah, I like this. I'm into did, this. So did you read the last house in the lake? No, I didn't. Should I pick that up? I don't know. I don't think so. I, right. read the ha- I read half of it and it didn't, it didn't seem to be going anywhere. Well, I'm liking this, and I'm I'm liking the fact that I, I I'm you know as I, I think we often get accused of not liking comics, even though we do a show about them. Um, so I want to just make sure that I'm on record as a guy who like wasn't quite on board with whatever James Tinney the Fourth is doing 
a couple, you know, even a couple years back, but recently, like everything he's doing is hitting for me, and it's I'm, that's I'm great. Glad that I'm glad I'm I'm excited about it. It makes me happy. Well, that's good because he's putting out a lot, which is great. He's one, you know, much like our next writer has. Give tons me those of tiny ideas. onions. Tons and tons of ideas. The ambassadors number three, the first issue that's not pick of the week. And this is the uh, rare art by the legendary Travis Sheree, which is mostly why I want to talk about this. But I do want to say that we're three issues in out of six, I believe. Is it six? It's, uh, I, don't, I don't know. I believe it's it's usually six. Um, something's got to happen. Like, I'm, I really like this book, and I agree, I agree with both picks of the week. And I thought this was another good issue, but this feels more paced like a 12-issue miniseries than a six. And also... If I can level a criticism of Mark, Mark Miller lately, it's that I feel like his books have wrapped up very quickly. Like mm. you know, he spent a lot of time on laying the groundwork, and then all of a sudden the story's over. That happened with that James Bond book, yes, it did. You know, with, with the old re- retired spy, where the first couple issues were terrific. He's laying all this fun groundwork, and then all of a sudden he just sort of wrapped up very quickly because he ran out of room, which is funny because it can be as long as he wants it to be but i think this is six and we're, we're three issues in we're still meeting new heroes this is this one's all about the hero of france and it was really as an issue really fun and i thought the ending the ending was powerful but i got to the end and i was like we, we only have three left like what are we what are we doing here i also think i, I enjoyed this as well and i love the travis Shrey art and i agree with you i would like to figure out what the bigger picture is and i think that like uh, they they pointed out in issue one that it, this is a Charlie and the Chocolate Factory scenario, yeah. And so to like literally have corporate espionage people showing up asking <laughs> the people who got the golden tickets, like it's a little on the nose, right? Like you yeah. didn't have to point out that this was Charlie and the Chocolate Factory in your own first issue. No one no one asked you to do that. So like the fact that you now have the, the other side coming to these heroes and being like, hey, if you're willing to give up your golden ticket or 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 steal secrets for us, we'll give you, yeah. yeah. There were great bits in here, though. I loved the bullies who were all into Warhammer. That was a funny bit. That right, just the laugh. idea that the, the the kid gets beat up by other dorks. Yeah, like he gets bullied by the Warhammer kids, and then you know the whole thing is 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 he planning a some sort of mass shooting situation, and, and you know his single mom who is the hero, and he ends up, they end up being sort of like a French Batman and Robin, like almost like the '60s version, almost codename. Uh, Codename France and Paris. Yeah, but they they you know they have a car. They've got a bat cave. They mm-hmm. you know she's got a sidekick. So and then there's the Biff Pow smash. Like they're they're very much the Batman and Robin of France. And then you know they're like no no he he's not he was never going to do anything. He was just acting out. He was just expressing his frustration. But then the the last bit that we only see that no one else sees is that he had a gun and he tosses it into the sun. And, uh, and and uh, just a reminder to our American listeners, this is France, so not everyone just has those. Like you're not giving them right. when you show up at school, right? You're not like, you have to, gun. like it's hard. It's hard to get a gun, especially when you're young, you know, like under eighteen. So I thought this was really well done and beautiful. I mean, I don't even uh, we talked about this last time. I don't know the last time I saw Travis Shure do interiors, but it's been probably twenty years. He, you know, he's he's just terrific. He he even way better than he was twenty years ago. I know he's been doing a lot. Of, I know he lives a lot on commissions and things like that. Makes a lot of money doing that. But man, gee, I don't know. He's so good. It's just it's unusual style. Really, you know, European mm-hmm. lived lived in backgrounds. A really, you know, realistic world. This is very recognizably Paris. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 got some Tony Harris in it, like in terms of like the big expressions and the act, the acting is like really feels like people. Act, when I say Tony Harris, I mean like 
you know, Tony Harris does a lot of photo referencing, not photo tracing, but photo referencing where people are actually like posing in the ways that he's drawing them. So like, I felt like all the, I felt like all the ways that people were having their big emotions and big movements felt realistic, even though they're using superpowers, it's like, Oh, but that is actually how a person would stand or move or, or shift, you know, in that, in that moment. Um, it's just, it was absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really curious to see what we have for Olivia Coipel next issue. I'm the really cover, curious. if if Olivia Coipel is doing the cover, it's suggesting a a rougher, looser Coipel style. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I hope so. I mean, I'm excited. I'm excited by that. Like it was, it was to me. I was like, ooh, that doesn't that the cover uh, doesn't immediately strike me as Coipel, and so I'm I'm really excited to see what that ends up looking like. I mean, the most impressive thing about Mark Miller is is, I mean, you know, the 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 descriptor for him was that he was like the modern day Stanley. Now a lot of people bristled about that because that's I mean, for obvious reasons, but he seems to have a font of ideas that just is untappable. Like it just keeps going and that's impressive. You know, he keeps putting out books. They're all different. And this one may be a take on Willy Wonka, but at least it's an idea. You know, it's really interesting that he, he keeps coming up with all this stuff. And it's impressive. Yeah. Um, even if I don't, it doesn't always work. And this, this has so far worked really well. Uh, my concerns about the length side, I don't know that it's six. I just think it's, I think that's what I well, remember. This is, I mean, this is a book I, I would actually, you know, when I, when I worked uh, in a freelance capacity for Marvel, one of the things I had to do was read scripts for books that um, we then did like some AR app stuff mm-hmm. um, to, to augment them. And, and sometimes I'd interview creators and things like that. So like there's, there's this era of Marvel books where I've maybe read more scripts for those books than I've read actual issues. Mm-hmm. And this is a book where I actually kind of want to see the script because there are things that happen in this book where I'm just like, Oh, I actually would love to know, like, was, was Sheree bringing that idea to the right. table? Was Mark Miller bringing that idea to the table? Especially the, what, the way the car works in this issue, the, the Batmobile for lack of a better term, the way it like morphs to the needs of the users. There's one point they're trying to stop a train and like the rear spoiler of the car morphs into like a holder to hold the front of the train. I'm like, Oh, that's, a, that's, that's just a cool idea. Like it, it gets back to what you're saying about like Mark Miller or Travis Ray or the collaboration between the two brings us so much to the table that you don't get in any other book. So it's really, yeah. It's really it's, awesome. it's, I mean, it's terrific. And I just confirmed it while you're talking that it is a six issue miniseries. So I'm a little interested the, the next issue better. Something, something better happen <laughs> besides just meeting another hero, unless they're going to like do a, uh, Jupiter's legacy thing where it's the first six issues. And then we're doing, well, another there was movie. a quick, there was a one panel where, um, Codename Paris or Codename France and Paris were, were making a snowman with Codename India, uh, very right. much in the background. So like if, if we're getting little hints of how these characters are going to come together, I, I agree. We need a little more than a single panel with no dialogue, but hopefully we, we get, there. we just need a story. I mean, it's interesting. The idea of, all, you know, these characters getting powers and that that's all I'm enjoying the character study aspect. Each issue has been really good in that sense, but what is the overall story here? What are we, t- what are we doing? And if it's just to get to issue six to then lead to another miniseries and when they're all together, Okay, fine, but I don't know what we're. I just don't know what. What we're if the doing. Korean woman reveals that she's got a candy that you can suck on forever and it never goes away? Then 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 you know, great. If she does the top hat roll to a bounce, great, awesome. Let's well, that, do it. She should have done that over their introduction. <laughs> she should have. She should have. Uh, Strange Academy finals number twenty four or number six. This is the final issue of Strange Academy, and uh, I'm glad for this book. We talked about it a lot. It was pick of the week several times. It was the same. Creator team of Scotty Young, Humber Ramos, Edgar Delgado, and Clayton Cowles the whole way through. It had a very cohesive look and feel. The characters were really fun. It had a sad, bittersweet ending because this was the sort of final battle between 
uh, I think it's Laura. What was her name? Well, she looks like a Laura. Sort of the you know normal Midwestern brunette girl. I, I haven't been reading this book, so you're sorry. Who turned out own. to be the the bad guy versus Do- the son of Dormammu, and uh, who turned out to be the hero. And then you know one of the kids dies in the process. Like it just was. You know we reached the end. The kids, these kids, literally went through hellfire to to survive, and uh, it ends with uh, it ends with them you know, opening the door for a new class. And it's, you know, the end for now. And they, 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 in the essay, they're back to say, this is it for the book for now. And I'm surprised it went this long because it's not really a big crowd pleaser. There's not a tons of big heroes in it. Uh, there's, you know, Brother Voodoo and Scarlet Witch a little bit and Magic a little bit. For the most part, it's about these new characters and these new kids. And they, people talk all the time, why can't they launch two characters? Well, because when they do, people don't buy the books. So um, I'm glad it went as long as it did. This was a really fun, refreshing title. I felt like it added something to the Marvel universe. I don't often enjoy the magic side of things, but this sort of straddled the line enough of a young kid's coming of age high school drama that's also full of magic. You know, it's it's, it's sort of Harry Potter in the Marvel universe, but not really, but sort of. I, I've so been it, reading issues. I'm just way, way behind. I started reading it when you guys were first talking about how great it was. I just haven't kept up enough to ever be part of the discussion. Yeah, no, it's very good. And if you know, if, if I took a step back and, and listed my favorite Marvel books, this you know, this during the during what the time it was published is probably in my top five in terms of Marvel comics. It's very, I, I really enjoyed it. Mark, both Josh and I are really big fans of it. And uh, bummer, it's gone, but I get it. And 24 issues is not not nothing. So no, it's not. Not these days. So uh, congratulations to Strange Academy Finals. Great job from Scotty Young. Humberto Ramos. I'm so glad he wrote the he drew the whole book. He's such a great artist, and I love you know he actually draws kids as kids and teenagers and and uh, his his crazy panel layouts and giant pack full of detail and crazy demons and fire and brimstone really made the look of the book. And I can't uh, yeah. even. Humberto Ramos is one of my favorite artists of all time. Like he's yeah. uh, especially, you know, he did a, a amazing. I was going to say an amazing run on Spectacular Spider-Man, which is confusing. <laughs> I should, should not have used that adjective, but I can't I imagine someone else drawing it. And if they did, it may not have as much impact. Like it really was perfect for him. And I'm, you know, I've always been a fan of his. So I was glad to see him on this book. And there you go. Those are the books we wanted to talk about. But at patreon.com slash ifanboy, every patron of the show gets to vote to add a book to the rundown and make sure we don't miss it. And this week it was a tight, tight race between two books. The second place book was Green Arrow number one. And the first place book, the patron pick, was Deep Cuts number one, which is also the pick of the week. Yeah. And so, you know, Connor is always very good about updating me on text about like which books are uh, in the in the lead for the patron pick. And um, I so I had Deep Cuts and Green Arrow on my stack. To, to I would have probably read Green. I would have definitely read Green Arrow. I maybe wouldn't have read Deep Cuts, but... Deep Cuts ended up just being the one that, that really spoke to me, and I was really excited to get to talk about it more in depth with Connor. So let's rate it. Ratings for Deep Cuts. 4.75. 4.75 out of 5. I'm going to go I'm 4. not an automatic 5 stars for the pick like you are. We're all different. It. We're all different. I'm a 4.5 on this book. Really, really terrific. If you didn't check it out, uh, I would say do so. And we are both sticking with it based on the conversation we had earlier. And I think Green Arrow would have gotten a 4.5. So I think, like, I, think I, I really did sort of use... I used the patron voting um, to guide, you know, at least the patron rankings that mm-hmm. we get based on the votes to guide sort of my my self to a final decision here. So. Good job. Good job, patrons. Good job, Ryan. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. That's where you can go. Every patron votes to add a book to the rundown or can vote. 
And those are the people that help support the show directly. They unlock uh, tons of shows for people to enjoy. The Booksplode and Talksplode shows that we do, the Mediasplode show, all those shows were unlocked by the patrons directly tied to their support. So thanks for doing so. Consider becoming one today. It's a fun group. It's a great community. They've got a Discord server. They have a Facebook group. We have a monthly uh, patron hangout. Do we? Oh, I guess it was, you have the hangout, but you didn't have the happy hour. We didn't have the happy hour this week because I was sick, but we did unveil. Now I'm sick. So look what you did, yeah, Connor. Exactly. We did unveil this week. Well, we had the patron hangout last week. We did unveil our newest feature, which we was Ron and I figured out how to make it to a call-in show. So we had some of the patrons call in like it was talk radio. That and we discussed fun. A, was discussed a myriad to- of topics. It was a lot of fun. And we had a good time. We had a really good time. In fact, we went long, a little bit long, because we were having such a good time doing it. So we won't do it every month like that, but we'll, we'll every few months, maybe we'll do a full call-in show. But it was a lot of fun. So if you consider being a patron, patreon.com slash ifanboy is uh, where you can do it. ifanboy.threadless.com is where you can buy our t-shirts or other other uh, sundry items, the uh, the bath mat, the, the skateboard deck, all kinds of things. You can get the logo. The various logos we've got, we've got 12 different logos on there, and you can find them all at fm.threadless.com. If, if, if you had to define the word sundry. We did it a while ago, and I don't remember. All right. It's, it's like, I cut you off while you were giving the URL to plug. That was a ter- I'm, I was a terrible co-host in that moment. I apologize. But, uh, um, what was the URL? Uh, ifanboy.threadless.com is the, uh, is the um, place to go for those things. It, sundry items, I'm looking it up and cheating. It's items that are not important enough to, to to differentiate of various kinds yeah which is yeah. a good it's a good way to describe the threadless store there's lots of things there but they're not and they're all important they're all important <laughs> i just don't have the time i found slash support is our paypal digital tip jar fanboy.com slash amazon is where you can find the general amazon link as well as all the books from our booksplode shows which has just been updated so you can see all the books there and bookshop.org is our partner that helps local bookstores and you can find links there where appropriate on the website and you know, please consider using them to buy your books so local bookstores can survive and thrive. And also, if you're a patron at the $5 or high level, we salute you by giving you a superpower live on the show. Sometimes it's awesome. Sometimes it's dumb. We can make no promises. But this week, we'll find out because Ryan's going to bestow one on this dude. I am going to bestow a patron power on Jeff Cuddy, which is a that's a good name. Solid good, name. It is a good name. All right. I have a two word patron power. Are you ready? Yep. Jeff can cryosleep. Jeff can cryosleep. What does that mean? It mean well, we've all watched a ton of sci-fi. I know what cryosleep is. I just what is that how is that what does that mean for him? It means like upon like upon his own like it's like it's completely self-controlled. Like there's no yep. external thing controlling it. But Jeff it, when when Jeff desires to to not just be part of the world anymore. <laughs> I'm he out. can he can lower his body temperature to uh-huh. freezing levels and just sleep for and he can set, he can sort of set you know the internal timer before he does it so he says like I need a week. So is he go does he go into like hibernation? Is it like does he does he stop aging? Like what is what are we talking he about? Does, he absolutely so it's it's, not, it's it's even it's a it's a more sophisticated form of hibernation. Hibernation would just be sort of you're still aging when you hibernate. You're still right. your metabolism is still running. Like he fully shuts down and gets down to like a freezing temperature. Like his body is cold to the touch. Like he's an ice cube. So could he theoretically be like I'm just going to do this for a thousand years? Yeah, absolutely. Wow. No, and would suffer other than like there might be like a little more grogginess on the wake up after a thousand years than like a year. Sure, sure, but, yeah. But like 
there's no ill effects. Like, as, unless his body is destroyed through other means, like, he might want to, like, hide himself. Like, he might want to get himself buried or something. But as so long does, as... Does his, do his muscles atrophy? Does, like, no. That's nothing. Wow. It's, like, it is, like, the pure sci-fi, you know... Sure. Put, put him in the, like... So in, in all the sci-fi stories, they always have to, like, get into, like, a coffin-like thing with, like, a glass panel, like a back-to-tank yep. sort of mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't, he doesn't have to do that. He would be wise to do that because it would sure. provide an extra layer of protection. But he could literally do it just lying down in his bed for a thousand years. He just has to make sure that his bed is there for a thousand years. Sure. That's, that, and that sounds like some good sleep, Jeff. Yeah. Oh, he's, man. He's super well rested. He's just going to wake up in the idiocracy world. That's that's the problem. <laughs> so, so like I don't know. In like 2016, he could have been like, you know what? I'm going down for four years. Wake me up in four years. Yeah, he could. have. He'd be so much more well adjusted than North us. Thanks, Jeff, for being a patron. Patreon.com/slash/ifanboy. That was an awesome power, Ryan. Good job. But you can get your own awesome power by becoming a patron at the five dollar or higher level. And thanks to everyone who does so. We got time for at least one email here. We got time is- for both. Probably. This is the one I mentioned earlier. Zach C. from Indianapolis, Indiana. Zach says, DC recently announced a new creative team on The Flash, Cy Spurrier and Mike Diodato, with a press release announcing a turn towards cosmic horror for the series. This is a huge departure from where the series is now and reflects basically nothing in the history of the character. Is there another big two character you'd love to get an upside down or backwards genre take on? Sci-fi Wonder Woman? The Thing in High Fantasy? And this is, I mean, it's there's a, there's a million answers to this question. Like you could take any character and put them in any scenario. I think it's I think it's interesting when they do it. Like this week, you know, I would not have guessed a sci-fi Green Arrow, even though it's not like out of the realm of possibility. Green Arrow is a superhero who exists in the DC universe. He's certainly been right. in sci-fi scenarios. It's almost if it, at a certain point it becomes improbable that Green Arrow wouldn't have more sci-fi stories if they actually lived in that world. But right. that's that's not really. The, I know that's not really the question. I mean, I would no, point no, to. I, I think it's interesting jumping off point. I mean, like Green Arrow is, you know, he's a street level character, and in my head, he's always the character from Mike Grell's pre Vertigo Vertigo run. But you know, he also was a Justice League member who who worked on a, a satellite. So he's, you know, but it's still like enough where I read it. I was like, oh shit! And the same thing happened when Tom King did the basically sci fi western you know, story for Supergirl a few years ago. Man, right. It, it and we, we talked about it recently with the, um, the doom became to Gotham Batman animated movie where it's right. putting Batman in a prohibition era Gotham, you know, that's, that's, and, and I think what, one of the conclusions we came to in that episode is that like Batman is a character who is especially well suited to a, a genre bending reimagining. Mm-hmm. And I think it might, it might be character to character because like when I read this question, I think about, you know, the thing in high fantasy I don't know. Maybe that would work. Maybe it wouldn't. But like Swamp Thing in High Fantasy? Hell yeah. And we're getting like a High Fantasy take on the DC Universe with the the Tom Taylor book. Um, uh, Knights? Dark Knights of Steel. Dark Knights of Steel. Whereas like, I think about something, I think about somebody like Peter Parker. They've done like, there's that, there was that horror book, the Peter, the Spider-Man horror book. Yep. That... Yes. Wasn't bad, but I don't know that it quite worked for the character as well. They did Spider-Man Noir. Like I, I, I'm of the opinion that you can probably take any character and probably put them in any scenario, and if the writing is good, it won't. It will work. But Conan Noir. I mean, they just said super, we basically just did Superman High Fantasy, right? The whole War World story was basically that. So yeah, that's true. Well, that was very much. A, I would say it was less high fantasy that was more swords and sandals. Sure, but, like, but those I mean, genres are very similar. Yeah, I mean they. Yeah, you could even make it the case that the brief time when one, they took Wonder Woman and put her in the Asgardian story was a very different sort of genre for her. Like it just, I think you can do anyone and any character <laughs> in any type of 
Keep it, keep it clean. Anyone in any, I'm gonna. You, the cold medicine's kicking in. Any any character in any scenario, and if you, if the writing is strong, you can do it. And you know, I could pick a random one and say that'd be fun. Then, but they'd all be fun. And I think part of the fun is the surprise element. And well, right right now, I mean, right now, in, in Chip Zdarsky's run, the issue ten came out today. Daredevil, who's one of the more like strictly street level Marvel characters has superpowers you know gifted to him by the the hand or the fist i can't even keep straight which organization he's the the head of but you know he's got mystical powers and he's leading a ninja cult and all these with electra as his his, uh bride wife of of magical wife queen yeah wife queen um so you know you can do it i think the question becomes like is it are you trying to make it i think the question becomes are you trying to make it part of the character's story in continuity and i know continuity is a malleable concept that that especially you know the we we who do i fanboy are not like beholden to any one continuity forever but like are you trying to say that you know this this horror story is part of peter peter parker's actual life or are we doing a riff on it using a, a departure from that um it sounds like what they're doing with the flash is they're taking the incontinuity character and doing a huge departure on it and i can see why that might ruffle feathers well, more than like an elseworlds story. the only departures he's going off i mean i don't know i didn't read the press release and the book hasn't come out yet but you know if he goes off into some situation that requires what happened you know then that's fine with me i mean it's like the green arrow the story or the, or the superman or world story or whatever it's like if you put him in a different scenario we know that eventually they'll go back they'll come back to basics that's just how it works yeah i mean i think i think as comic fans I would hope that as we as a community mature, we recognize that like let people tell whatever stories they want. If those stories don't work, they kind of get pruned from the tree of whatever the official continuity is, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's okay. That's, that's part of the process. That's a good thing. But like sci-fi wonder woman, I have no problem with sci-fi wonder woman. Uh, I, I don't know that I can think of an example where they've done that, but like G- green lantern in particular is one that they've gone like, Harder sci-fi versus softer sci-fi, yeah. and oh, they, did, they did a whole they did a whole Marvel Western series many years ago, eighteen sixty-one, forty-one. What was it? Yeah, that was a great series. You know, I, I think these characters are all so resilient that you can put them in all kinds of scenarios. And and like like Ryan, you just said, there's there's full-on Elseworlds, and then there's also like take the character and put him in a scenario, and that's what you've got now with Flash, and so you got now with Green Arrow, and 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 they're they're, they're all strong enough to survive all those things. And, so there you go. Good, good email. Chris K. You read this Chris K. email. Chris K. writes in to say, about a decade ago, I started losing my hair. Nothing major at first, but thanks to genetics, I always knew that I was looking down the barrel of a full Costanza. Increasingly, over the last couple of years, I've been thinking of shaving my head for that reason and others. Scheduling haircuts is a pain. I don't like the way my hair looks sometimes since it's getting so thin, etc how or why did you Connor know yep. when it was time to shave your head and is there anything I need to know going into it? Should I do it before a long vacation in case it looks bad and I want to try to grow some back? Should I baby step into it and buzz cut it or just jump bald spot first and shave it all off? Any advice is appreciated. Again, I can't begin to thank you both enough for the endless hours of enjoyment you and your show have brought into my life. I should have left in the the part where he said this is for Connor, but I just added, instinctively took it off, and then it was a little confusing. Um, as your as your shoulder length hair co-host reads this email, <laughs> sorry, yeah. sorry, Chris. Yeah, so this is not a problem that either Ryan or Josh and their both of their luxurious long thick heads of hair have to worry about, but uh, not so much me. Um, I feel your pain, Chris, and 
uh, I shaved my head when I was 23 because I knew much like he does knowing the genetic barrel he was looking down. It was coming anyway. So I just decided to get ahead of it. So what did I know? When and how did I know it was time? Well, I used to have a thick, luxurious head of hair in my younger days, but then, you know, in my early twenties, I noticed it wasn't quite as thick as it once was. And then quite literally it went to a family reunion and looked around the room <laughs> and saw nothing but male pattern baldness. And I went, ah, well, you know, all right. And then, you know, it was just one day when I was 23, I got out of the shower and I looked in the mirror and, you know, when your hair is wet, it gets thinner and I really could kind of see it. And I just went fine. And I have, I've always had, I've had a beard for so long. I had the, I had beard, you know, beard trimmer, hair, hair trimmer. That was using to cut my beard. And I, my brother was living with, with me at the time and I woke him up. It was like two in the morning <laughs> on like a Saturday. And I said, uh, we're going to shave my head, but I need you to do it because my hand was shaking because, you know, it was still a major thing to do. And so he shaved my head and I never, I've never looked back. I, I started with the buzz, as he mentioned here. I didn't go full, you know, smooth head initially. I just buzzed as short as humanly possible. And then um, uh, like six months later, I was visiting a friend in Boston and my car blew a tire and so I had to stay longer than I expected to stay. And so I, I didn't have my buzzer. And so I asked him if I could just borrow his razor. And I, you know, bicked my head clean. And I have been doing that ever since. So it's been it's been 21 years of me shaving my head at this point. Uh, most people in my life have never seen me with hair other than my family and Josh and Ron because we went to college together. But most people in my life have never seen me with hair. And that's partially why I did it was – I remember reading some dumb article. It was like, you think you're going to lose your hair. The best thing to do is to do it early. That way, you know, you're the, you, you sort of, um, not bury the old person, but you know, the people you meet will never know any difference. So that's kind of how it's been for me. But, um, I would say just, just go for it. If you think, if you think it's what you want to do and you don't like the way you look, then do it. If you like the way you look and you're fine with it, then don't do it. But, um, it's just hair. The thing is it'll grow back. Like if you, <laughs> If you do it and you're horrified and your family's horrified, then, you know, you'll wear hats for a couple of months and then you'll be fine again. So, I don't know. You, this is, you're, you've probably zoned completely out because you don't have to worry about this. Well, I mean, I went gray in high school. I started, yeah, I started, I started going gray. But I know, I know that's, that's a different the best, problem. That's the I best know. way to do it, though. The same, the same thing early shaving my head. If you go silver fox, if you're the young guy with gray hair, that's, that's cool. I know, but now look. now I'm approaching now I'm approaching the age where I'm like the guy who like should have some gray hair, but I have way more gray hair, <laughs> <laughs> and it's long because uh, I haven't I haven't gotten a haircut since March 2020. But I you know Are you still I, not still not getting a haircut. Still, I still have not gotten. What does your wife think about that? I think she's kind of into it. Okay, then that's fine. But I'm I also I, but it's it's actually it's not about her. It's about my buddy Abe that I'm playing haircut chicken with. He also hasn't gotten a haircut, and his his locks are even thicker, longer, and more luxurious. Yeah, the thing less is, gray. She could strangle you in your sleep because you won't get a haircut. He can't. Wow, a release. That sounds nice. <laughs> Sweet release. So I, I I I will say I really do miss getting my haircut. I he said I know he says it here that the, the hassle of getting uh, haircuts, but like I used to love getting my hair. Dude, the guy the guy who cut my hair here in DC. All we would do was talk about Dungeons and Dragons and Marvel movies when I got my hair cut. It was it was great, but um, I haven't played Dungeons and Dragons in a while, and Marvel movies aren't as good anymore, so I, I'm not missing that. I, I used to go to a series of old-school New York City barbers. Love that. And uh, In fact, there was this one guy who was so old-school, He when he died, he had a full-page obituary in the New York Times. <laughs> um, like he, he didn't let anyone in. He kept the door locked, and he would only let in his regulars. 
And he used to shave Hugo Brenner's head. It was the only head he ever shaved. He wouldn't shave anybody else's head. Like he was one of those old school guys. I, I would say, I mean, to the to the extent that I'm allowed to even contribute to this question, um, I think the thing that I think about in like my look and how my look has changed as I've gotten older and as you know my body has, as I've become a COVID era dad bod. Um, like if you just <laughs> if you just own the way you look, and if you're just if you are like, yeah, this is how I look, isn't it awesome? People respond to that pretty positively. Like, like a people, confidence is the ultimate uh, thing. But it, it also, if you don't like the way you look, then do something about it. Like that's right. what I, I didn't like the way it was going, so I did something about it. And I'm much happier now. But it doesn't mean you have to. Uh, like my brother for two years never shaved his head. I know, but, but what I'd say is like, is like the day you decide to shave your head, maybe also go buy like a, a new pair of pants on a shirt that you know you look really good in. And just like own it, like feel really good about it. Like it's, I, you know, Connor and I are, are we're the queer eye for comic book fans. Like we will help you love the way you look in your new skin. If you like the way you look, we guarantee it. That's the men's warehouse. So and like I, it's having confidence in your look, which is really hard after a haircut. Like I even even oh trust it, me, after doing this, I what's this? Define shave my head after shaving my head. I was freaked out. You I know, would be too. Like it, it's a major change and. You know, it's not like as guys and my my, ha- my hair wasn't the kind of hair where you could do a lot with it. You know, it was just kind of was there. So like there wasn't a whole lot I could do with my hair. So it's pretty much the same from 23 years. So or however many years when I started growing hair. But, you know, that's a major change. It's not like women who can cut their hair really short or grow it really long. You know, there's a lot more they can do with it. So the shock was much more greater. But, you know, after a while, it was fine. And once my mom got over it. That was fine too. She, she did not genetics. Like she did not know. Uh, no, it was my dad's genetics actually. But actually, no, you're right. But no, all the it, it's it's a mix. It's a mix. I did a lot of reading on it when it started happening. I'm one of those people that dove dove deep into the shocking. Um, but you know, it, it's I I totally sympathize with with having a lot of questions and being scared. But just jump in, and if you don't, again, oh, like I do, I do too. I do too. If you don't like it, like I said, then you wear a hat for two months, and then your hair grows back. And I mean, I would say you, you either way, you can't take it with you. Like just, you know, jump off the cliff, do, do something, own, own your decision. Because, uh, as Connor, as Connor once said to me, Hey, sometimes you make a bad decision. Sometimes you make a bad decision and that's fine too. And that's what, Connor, know, that's I, what Connor I, said I, to me. And that's, that's why I'm married today. <laughs> I, I grew a COVID that's tr- beard. That's true. You, Connor's laughing at that is a true story. I know, I know it's true. I know you know it's true, but does Chris know? I grew Chris, a COVID call, beard. Call it was Chris. a bad decision, and no, I did it. No, <laughs> disagree. Loved your COVID beard. Miss your COVID beard. I, I still have my COVID beard. Chris, call me. I'll tell you the full story of Connor telling me to make bad decisions, and we'll we'll go from there. Uh, so here are the questions. Um, why and how? That's basically why why I decided it was going to happen. I, I'd get ahead of it. Uh, should I do it before a long vacation in case it looks bad? I mean, there's no there's no good or bad time. Just do it if you feel like you want to try it. Should I baby step into it and buzz cut it? Sure, if you want. I, that's what I did. I did. I, I shaved it at the lowest possible setting, so it was kind of like a stubble on my head for a couple months. But ultimately, when I look back on it, I think I looked better when it was fully shaved as opposed to the stubble. Um, probably because I was still shaved my face at the time and looked weird. But um, that's it. I, I, I fully support it. I think whatever makes you happy with the way you look, whatever makes you happy when you look in the mirror. If you don't like the way you look now, try it. If you like I mean, it, it, can't, it can't be that bad, according to Alonso Morissette. Right. And the thing is, if you don't like the shave, then it grows back and you're back to where you were before. And no, no harm, no foul. You're just going to ignore my amazing Alanis Morissette poll. <laughs> Thanks for writing in, Chris. I appreciate We appreciate all questions, not just comics-related questions. We, we will give you advice on life and fashion and hairstyles as well. Yeah. So Josh and Ryan, they don't have to worry about it. 
thick, I have thick, other, I have other thick lustrous hair, heads of hair. I have other worries. <laughs> Josh will all never fail to point out his thick, lustrous head of hair. I won't. I'm not that. I'm not that guy. It's a good head of hair. You both have good heads of hair. You should, you should count yourselves lucky. Gray. Gray is cool, man. Contact.fanboy.com. You can write us in there. Also, for a media explode show, you just put media explode in the subject line, and that's how we do it. Here's some quick plugs. This, we've, you know, our extra shows. Two weeks ago, we had our media explode show where we talked about D and D honor among thieves. That's Dungeons and Dragons for those who are not in the know. We also ranked the films of Quentin Tarantino, and that was a lot of fun for people of a certain age. And this past week, right behind the show, we had our Talk Explode interview show with Marvel editor Jordan White. Josh talked to him about his career. Jordan as, D. White. As Jordan P. Or D. 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 Jordan D. White. And uh, they talked about his career as a Marvel editor, and that was interesting and fun. I'll check that out on the feed right behind this show. And then not this week, but next week, sees the release of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 and some form of a fanboy staff will review it. Who that is yet is undecided. And when that will come out is also undecided. And then we will go from there as we see, then we got Spider-Man and then we get Flash and there's a lot in the next couple of months, but we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Ryan. Flash is intriguing to me. Science sort of. Oh, yeah, Flash is also made of science. Um, <laughs> I do a show called Science Sort of. You can find that at sciencesort.com or wherever you get your podcast what are you talking about these days what's your last episode about your most recent episode uh let's see what episode did oh god this is a, that's a good and fair question that i'm oh, oh no i'm freaking out flanking. <laughs> what are we talking about i have a rogue co-host right now who uh just goes off the deep end and and doesn't talk about what i want to talk about i got i'm getting a book shipped to me this, mm-hmm. this might interest you connor okay it's I'm getting a book shipped to me to review on the show uh, coming up about the science of spin, all about rotational forces. Oh, everything from like the way that our galaxy spins, the solar system spins, to the tires in your car spin. I had a. Re- uh, this is not appropriate for we, this show. We also, I had a re- we, Connor, we did talk about the T Rex's lips story. Oh, cool! Per your suggestion, I like that story. Yeah. And where did you come up? Where did you land on that story? Probably lips. You think so, right? Got to cover those teeth. Got to cover those chompers. So the question is, did they have lipstick? Probably. I mean, no, they literally could not have because they could not reach their own mouths. Right. So maybe um, they had to do it for each other. Like one person held it. One T-Rex held it in their lips. The other one oh, did it. That's dangerous. Putting your putting your, your chompers that, putting your neck that close to the other T-Rex's jaws. It seems risky. I was watching a story in 60 Minutes recently about the satellite that they launched. Um, and all these amazing T-Rex photos. launched a satellite? Yeah, the T-Rex uh, had satellite capabilities. We didn't really realize that until recently. But That's upsetting. All those amazing photos that have come out in the last year from the you know, deep in the galaxy. And uh, I had one of those really like yeah, visceral. They're all, they're all made up. Real visceral like what the fuck is even the universe moments. And I was not high. Like I just I had one of those like what the what the hell are we doing? Why is this happening? And then I had to, yeah, had to come in, down. You're in California. You can get high if you want. I didn't say I didn't want to. I just said I wasn't at the time. And I was just saying, uh, why is any of this a thing? And then I had to come down. I had to, I had to calm myself down. Well, it, would it calm me down to know that you can get iFanboy's library of over 1,200 shows and counting? Actually, it's 1,300. I'm update the script. But yeah, well, I did, I'm reading the script as presented to me. Yep. 1,300 shows and counting over at iFanboy.com or wherever other podcasts are sold. Follow us at iFanboyComics on Instagram. To find out what the pick of the week is before the show even comes out sometimes. And for the best weekend panels, you can follow us individually. C.S. Kilpatrick on Instagram, Jay Flanagan on Instagram, and 
Brian Haupt on Instagram. Let me let me correct that. The sh- the the pixel leak is almost always posted as the panels that are sometimes Just posted. Reading the script, getting a lot of criticism for reading. It's, no, the no, script no you, you had the t- you had the commas in the wrong place. Was, the show comes out and comma sometimes comma the best of the week in panels, not the other way around. All right, okay. fair enough. It's fair enough. Uh, where are we? Okay, youtube.com slash iFanboy. That's where you can find this show <laughs> as well as all of our old video shows. You can see Ryan even in, I think, in at least one of those shows. Aren't you in one of those Comic-Con no, shows? No, we discussed that previously. I never made it on, on camera. You weren't in the Comic-Con shows? No, I was never on camera. I think you were the only one. Sorry. Everyone else did. And yet, mm. and yet I'm still here. The curse of being on iFanboy camera. Mike was dancing. Jim was scowling. Paul. And you was haven't heard Paul. any of them for years, but here I am persisting. Uh, anyway, those are all there. You can find those. And you can consider leaving a review, a star rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, not only for iFanboy, for Science Sort of, or any show you listen to. The best way to thank your favorite podcast is to give them a rating and a review. It helps the algorithm, the all-knowing, all-seeing, all-ruling, soon-to-be AI-driven algorithm. Probably already is. It's too late now. We've opened the door. It's too late. Hey, that's it. That's it for this week's show. Bye. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the comics discussion. I enjoyed the hair care discussion. I enjoyed all of it. I did too. I'm going to go um, take off this sweatshirt because it was a poor choice in this hot room. And you're going to go lay down because you're sick. And we'll talk to you next week. And I'm Connor. And I'm Ryan. Bye-bye. The music called jazz had the razzmatazz. It had the flavor and a lot of pizzazz. The big band beat was very neat and unique. The swing was king, it made you tap your feet. There was Benny and Duke, and of course, the Count Basie. The melody was smooth, and yes, very tasty. There was Hawk, the Prez, and Lady Day, and Dizzy Bird and Miles. They were all playing, they brought it to the people of the foreign lands. Back across the oceans and the desert sands, where it echoes in the distant sounds of drums, and it rises with the sun on days begun. This is the music that we give tribute to. They gave it to us, that's why we give it to you. The Jazz Museum. The Jazz Museum. The Jazz Museum.